0: The year was 1959. A man named Alfred Lansing wrote this now famous book called Endurance. Endurance, it's about Sir Ernest Shackleton's incredible voyage, his journey across the Antarctic. The book Endurance chronicles Shackleton's fight for survival, chronicles his cruise fight for survival in the Antarctic. Uh, The book begins in 1914 when Sir Ernest Shackleton, the leader of the Hazardous Journey, put this ad in a London newspaper, wanted men for a hazardous journey. Low wages, bitter colds, long months without any sunshine." Risk, unbelievable. Prospects of returning safely, very low. <laughs> Talk about a hazardous journey. That would be Sir Ernest Shackleton. An endurance written by Alfred Lansing. What did Shackleton and his crew need? Above everything else in this hazardous journey, what was going to keep them on the straight and narrow? What was going to show the way? What would keep them from getting lost? You know, don't you? A compass. Without a compass, (laughs) this incredible voyage, this hazardous journey, was doomed. I say doomed. (laughs) We begin another story about survival. The book of the prophet Jeremiah. Well, look at Jeremiah beginning now through Labor Day weekend. It's our summer sermon series. On the longest book of the Bible, word for word, Jeremiah is 5.2% of the Bible. We're calling this series, Surviving Disasters. Today's topic, of course, surviving, surviving through God's Word. And we survive through the compass God gives us. Uh, We could liken God's Word to a compass, that will keep us on the straight and narrow, that will help us endure, that will keep us from getting lost. Because this hazardous journey is called what? It's called life. Life. What are the two letters right in the middle of the word life? I-F. If. Life is one big if. We know that now more than ever. (laughs) Oh my. Who would have thought we would be in the midst of a pandemic? COVID-19. Who would have imagined even four or five months ago that we would have words like, Social isolation and coronavirus and flattening the curve. Who would have known that we would have such loneliness, such brokenness, such financial challenges? And and to add insult to injury or to go from the frying pan into the fire, we go from COVID-19 to massive unemployment to George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis on May 25th. Talk about a hazardous journey called life. We're doomed. Doomed, I say, doomed. Lost, confused. Wandering around without a compass. A compass of God's word. Thank God. God gives a compass to Jeremiah. That's Jeremiah chapter 1, 1 through 5 today. And like a compass, in these first five verses of his book, Jeremiah gives us four directions, four points, four truths, four ideas. Here we go. Here's the first one. God calls us. God calls us by name. We have value. Sometimes we're not called by name. <laughs> we don't feel value. We get mail addressed to resident or occupant. It's all impersonal sometimes. How many times do you get mail or packages where your name is misspelled? <laughs> How many times have I received mail that is addressed to read blessing, blessing with a B? <laughs> That's not the book of Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah begins with a name, Jeremiah. And in these first three verses of the book, Jeremiah goes on to list eight more names. In fact, Jeremiah lists over 50 names in his book. Jeremiah is the most personal of all the prophets. This is how the book begins, with names. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came, right? Right? The word of the Lord, the, the compass, because Jeremiah, we will see throughout these lazy days of summer, <laughs> we will see Jeremiah knows that life is one big F. But the word of the Lord came to him, right? In the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, the 13th year of his reign. That would be 627 B.C. Got it, 627 BC, and until this word of the God, the word of the Lord, well, it continued to come, right? The compass continued to equip Jeremiah. He says, it also came in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, Till the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah. That would be 587 B.C. So do the math. For 40 years, God continued faithfully to give Jeremiah the compass of his word. Zedekiah is the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem. The fifth month, that'd be August 28th. We can date it. August 28th, 587 B.C. The book begins telling us What the north direction is on the compass. God calls us by name. We have value. On July 21st, 2007, I asked this question, am I somebody important? I really did. I had the privilege of preaching to 30,000 people in Orlando, Florida at the Lutheran Church Missouri City National Youth Gathering. Before the worship service, stage and sound and light people were surrounding me, making sure this time I would be read blessing. That's blessing with the B. Uh, Just then, as people were wiring me up and making sure all systems were go, one of the participants of the youth gathering walked up and asked me, are you somebody important? (laughs) Am I somebody important? It's easy to feel like resident or occupant, It's easy to feel marginalized and small and insignificant, especially if your children take all your money, (laughs) if your energy is sapped by your job, if your friends take all your confidence, and if your old age takes all your dignity. But God says we're important. We're valuable. God calls us by name. We have value. God doesn't number us. God doesn't label us, compound of chemicals. God doesn't analyze us or classify us but between gender and race or color. No, God calls us by name. That's the great truth of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. Fear not, I've redeemed you. God says, I've called you by name. We need to know these truths. Satan knows our name. He knows right where to find us. But he calls us by our sin. You know that, right? He calls us cheap or dirty or condemned, rejected, isolated, hopeless. Satan knows our name, but he calls us by our sin. (laughs) Jesus knows our sin. Oh, he knows all about it. There is no hiding Jesus knows our sin, but the great gospel truth is that Jesus calls us by name. Not occupant, not resident. This is a personal God who lovingly and graciously calls us by name. That's north. That's north. That's on our compass, right? We lose this. We lose everything. Second truth, south. God knows us. God knows us before birth. We're planned. We're planned. Skipping down to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God tells Jeremiah and us, and I formed you before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before Jeremiah knew God, God knew Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Before Jeremiah said, God, you're important, God said, Jeremiah, you're important. Jeremiah enters the world as ancient history. So do you, so do I. God knows us before birth. We're planned. We're not an accident. It's not random. (laughs) Life is not a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. No, there's a plan. God has formed us before when? Before he formed us in the womb. He knew us. We're planned. There's this great verb here, right, that I've accented, formed, formed. It, it, It. more literally means to shape and sculpt as a potter would shape and sculpt his clay. Jeremiah's going to famously use this word, we got a sermon on it, when he goes down to the potter's house in chapter 18, one to six. Moses earlier in the second chapter of the Bible uses the same word to form, to shape, to sculpt. And he does that to describe God's creation of Adam. Adam is formed from the dirt. What does all this look like? It looks like a very personal God who, who really, literally, gets his hands dirty. This is a hands on God. He has formed us and shaped us to be just the way he wants us to be taller, short, fat, or skinny. Male or female, blue eyes or brown eyes. God, the great potter, has formed the clay just as he planned. (laughs) North, on our compass. God calls us by name. We have value, infinite value. In the blood of Jesus, infinite value. South. God knows us. God knows us before birth. We're planned. We are planned. We are shaped. East. East on our compass. God chooses us. Continuing verse 5 of Jeremiah 1. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Uh, the, The word here consecrate means to set apart. To choose. God chooses us for himself, we're on his team. That's what it means to be consecrated, it means to be on God's team. I grew up with an older sister, and all older cousins, except my cousin Paula, I was proudly one month older than Paula. Paula. But because I was still shorter than Paula, when our cousins all got together, we'd play kickball or touch football or basketball, and like most people around the world, you would have captains, and the captains would choose their teams. And inevitably, I was the last person always chosen. (laughs) I'd always be standing in the middle. Maybe you've had that experience, right? There's the team on the left and the team on the right and and the kids that want to be chosen are standing in the middle and I would always be the last person stuck in the middle. And then my cousin captains, they'd start fighting over who would have to choose me. And it dawned upon me that I would be a liability (laughs) for any team I was on. Not with God. Not with God. God chooses us for Himself. We're on His team. God chose me. This is what the Bible says. Ephesians 1 verse 3. God chooses me before the creation of the world, before I was born, before I was conceived. God chose me. Amen. I'm on his side. I'm on his team. And so are you. So are you. That's what Holy Baptism is all about. God chooses us. And we need to let this go down into our inside us inside. Why? We're on a hazardous journey called life. Random events, raw evil, bad decisions sometimes make us feel like we're born losers. Jeremiah certainly knew that. Government officials rejected him. People in Judah ignored him. And the kings of Israel wanted to kill him. But none of that won the day. (laughs) We will see Jeremiah survive one near-death experience after another. And we too will survive. God says we will. (laughs) We're on the winning team. We're in the kingdom of God. Nothing in all creation can separate us from being God's chosen elect children from eternity past. COVID-19 can't. Separate us from God's love. Race riots can't. Economic downturns can't. No, we've got a compass. A compass so we stay grounded. And we know where we're going. We know who we are. North, God calls us by name. We have value. South, God knows us before birth. We're planned. We're planned. Down to our knuckles and our knees, we're planned. East. God chooses us for himself. We're on his team. West, God gives us. God gives us to the nations. We have purpose. There's purpose for our lives. Look look what the last part of Jeremiah 1.5 says. He says, I gave you the Hebrew (laughs) verb there is Nathan. If you know anyone named Nathan, then it's just the Hebrew word give, right? I Nathaned you, Jeremiah, to be a prophet to the nation. Can you hear Jeremiah pushing back, saying, God, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I should have something to say about this. I've got my own plans, God. I have inalienable rights. And can you figure what God might have said to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, (laughs) I've already given you away. I've given you, I've Nathaned you to be a prophet to the nations. It's a done deal. God gives us away to the nations. We have purpose. At the heart of the biblical message is God giving. God not only giving away Jeremiah before he's born, (laughs) but climactically God giving away his own son. Before the creation of the world, this is what the Bible teaches... Revelation chapter 13 verse 6, before the creation of the world, God decided to give away his only begotten son. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave, gave Jesus. In Jesus, God continues to give, give abundantly, give faithfully, give everlastingly. God gives forgiveness, God gives mercy, God gives confidence, God gives power. God didn't keep Jesus, right, in heaven as a trophy or in a museum or just something to look at. No, the Father gave the Son for the life of the world. Jeremiah was given away. Jesus, given away. You and I given away to the nations. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.15 He, that's Jesus, died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. See, (laughs) the gospel not only gives me a new standing of child, forgiven, loved, heaven-bound. The gospel also gives me a new life. What's the new life? To Nathan myself to the world. (laughs) To give myself away for others. That's what Paul preaches. And teaches that we might not live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised. Jeremiah wasn't to live for himself. Uh, Jesus didn't live for himself. And we too find our greatest joy, our greatest delight, our greatest satisfaction when we are given away to other people. Quite a compass, wouldn't you say? Without it? We're doomed. Doomed. I say doomed. Lost. Confused. Living meaningless lives. But with a compass. Oh my. North. God calls us by name. We have value. South. God knows us before birth. We're planned. East. God chooses us for himself. We're on his winning team. West. God gives us to the nations. We have purpose to live outside of ourselves and for him who died and was raised. Remember Sir Ernest Shackleton, The Hazardous Journey. After a year, in Alfred Lansing's book called Endurance, after a year, he tells us that Shackleton's ship was getting crushed by ice. A shackled and didn't know what to do. So he took five of his best crew members and sent out through the Drake Passage Shackleton miraculously made it to the South Georgia Island, 650 nautical miles away. They survived. They came back, and they rescued the crew. Finally, in the end, Sir Ernest Shackleton survived the hazardous journey. So did Jeremiah. (laughs) So did Jeremiah. All 52 chapters. Jeremiah survived. And so will we. So will we. Guaranteed. Why? We have a compass. We have a compass. God's holy word.